Welcome to the first episode of What's Next in Social Sciences. This podcast project aims to discuss career prospects and challenges for students and earlier career professionals in social sciences. I'm your host Arjuna. I'm your co-host Nirupama. These are strange times. and i really hope that you're all safe and hanging in there wherever you are in this first episode my co-host archana and i will answer the question of what it is like to be considering applying for or pursuing a masters or phd program during this time times which are testing uncertain and ruled by the covid-19 pandemic we'll bring out some points and discuss our thoughts but we will also bring in a couple of people who are relevant to the subject to share their story so achana shall we yep absolutely first off i think we should discuss the aspects one must consider before planning to pursue their masters or any other higher education degree but the first question that i think like would pop up in anybody's head who's trying to kind of pursue masters or higher education like a phd program right now would be how and where to start i think like i'm going to address how uh, an undergrad must approach this at this point i mean normally with or without covid there are two sets of challenges that i think uh, one must think about before they plan to do their masters the first is of course getting a scholarship it's not that easy to get a scholarship it's always been competitive and figuring out scholarships is an important aspect of uh planning to do a masters right and secondly like nirbhuma i think a general observation that i have is if one is a fresh grad and if they are immediately jumping into a masters program it's uh going to be a little difficult for to uh, find a job moving forward as opposed to somebody who has uh had or gained some work experience in between their uh, two degrees you know hmm so this is like you know in a non pandemic world that we're talking about but right now things have changed and are changing so drastically we can't even imagine of course it's go- going to be more and more challenging to think about a masters program right now because funding or like scholarships are not that easy to get in general it's very it's quite competitive especially for indians and now that the pandemic is there it's even more complicated so yeah. uh how can they overcome this i think if one is a, a fresh grad now it's better to take up more part time jobs or like internships if they don't find a full time job and then kind of gain experience and then probably uh, go for masters these are just like my thoughts but i mean i have to add a point here that i'm also speaking from my personal experience uh this is uh, again going back to uh 2017 and 2018 when i pursued my masters so after i finished my post grad diploma i took a, a year and a half to kind of gain experience and i worked in the media before i uh moved to singapore to pursue my masters and that kind of gave me an advantage over my peers who did not have work experience 
prior to coming uh, and pursuing their master so i think it's very important kind of increases your chance in the job market so if right now uh, one does not have a scholarship and they are trying to uh, think of investing so much in the education system and end up you know like taking classes online i think you should just give it a second thought and try and look at more opportunity work opportunities as opposed to just going ahead uh, what are your thoughts on this nirupama yeah i agree it is definitely good advice because any sort of work experience uh, even if it is some part time work or a bunch of internships it's going to be beneficial for a person who's applying for any sort of a job but yeah in general i would say if uh, you already got in to a master's or phd program this year mm-hmm. and uh, you have an option of deferring a year uh, which is basically postponing when you're joining then i'd say take it because you know right. uh, you can use this time to work somewhere uh, even if it's part time and save up for when you go because if you don't have a scholarship and there's just so much uncertainty around you know what's going to happen our class is going to be online or off- offline lots of things like that right and yeah uncertainties mm. around visas so yeah if you have an option to defer which a lot of programs do provide uh, especially if right. it's a masters or a phd program abroad then yeah i would say take it Yeah I think that's very important to highlight and put it out there that you know these things need to be thought about before applying for a masters or a phd program because on in in the long run I think it's going to have a big impact especially given that now it's so uncertain unless like one has a a full scholarship I think it's not the best uh, idea to pursue masters yeah yeah and if you're planning to apply for next year for instance mm-hmm. i'd say choose wisely because you know they remember that the employment opportunities are sort of going to continue to remain low because they are uh, at a low right now and it's going to be sort of like that for i don't know how many months or maybe a couple of years ahead so we have to re- remember that and apply wisely and uh, m- maybe scholarships also might be affected because a lot of the funding that comes into education might turn towards covid right so if you're starting to apply now then think carefully see if you can wait one more year and apply a year after that so uh, there was this study it was mm-hmm. done in uh, may 2020 um, on covid-19 social mobility impact so this was done in america they found that 19% of higher education applicants said that they may defer a year due to due to right. covid-19 uh, related reasons so even though this was america they found that this number goes up when it comes to people of uh, working class population so yeah. if such a study is done in india we can know for sure that the numbers are going to be much higher so deferring is sort of going to be something that a lot of people are going to be considering or doing we spoke to one such person rohini mitra she is a research consultant at india migration now and she got into a phd program in germany and she was supposed to go this year but she has to defer one more year because of covid-19 related reasons and here's what she's got to say 
I, I mean, I was going to start this year. That's what I told myself and everybody last year. Um, so the idea was always that I would take about a year to work, uh, especially because I already had a position with IMN and I really wanted to work with them. Um, and then think about my PhD a year down the line. So I already had an admi- admission and I still do. I'm still planning to go to the same place. Um, but I wanted some time to figure out funding because uh, honestly, it's never a good idea to fund your own PhD, even if it's a country where there's no tuition fees, where you just have to cover your living expenses. It's not usually a good idea to fund it yourself. So I was really keen on, on, on looking for the right kind of funding. Uh, so the plan was to kind of go this year, but of course, uh, the world ended pretty much. Um, so that got postponed and uh, I've actually pushed it to next year. And I also actually, in, in the meantime, I've uh, come up with a couple of funding conditions that I have to fulfill, which will also uh, take me about a year. So it ties ties in pretty well. Um, so yeah, the plan right now is to actually go next year. Uh, the other reason why actually I pushed it is because uh, this is this would be a three-year PhD. So it's, it's not a US PhD, it's a Europe PhD. So it would be uh, three years and it's very tight. It's very compact. You are, it's very rigorous also. And you pretty much start right. your fieldwork one year in. And uh, had I begun this year, I would have been in a position where I would have had to begin my fieldwork early or middle of next year. And honestly, who knows, right? Like if I had started last year, I would definitely not have been able to do my fieldwork this year. And my and my PhD is very fieldwork heavy. Uh, you know, that is also a factor that I don't know what the whether the international travel situation will improve a lot in the next uh, six, seven, eight, nine months. So I wanted to give it as much time as possible. So yeah, those broadly are the reasons why my plans have changed. The university is in Germany. And uh, the reason why I'm mentioning oh. that is that Germany is one of the best places to do uh, a degree. So, and I'm sure that that'll be relevant to your listeners as well. They have uh, excellent, uh, they have excellent immigration policy which ties in very well with my thesis, uh, which is also mm. an immigration policy. Um, they're very welcoming of international students. And uh, I think the best thing is they don't have any tuition fees. They're one of the few countries in the world where there's uh, public education extends to international students and to all the way up to the PhD level. So pretty much you just have to cover your own living cost when you're there and, and the cost of your research. Uh, so if, if somebody is looking to do a PhD, uh, honestly, the Western European countries are, are really good. Uh, Germany being, I, I would say, one of the best. Initially, I had uh, thought I would do a study of refugee policy. So specifically the policy towards uh, refugees in the 21st century, so the Rohingya refugees um, in India. And over time, that kind of morphed into a broader study on nation building and the, ri- and the rise of nationalism, particularly majoritarian nationalism across several countries of South Asia. I mean, it, it is very relevant to the Rohingya because they were displaced from one country because of that. Now they're in another yeah. country where we see something very similar. And it's very interesting how our internal uh, dynamics kind of affect their status. I mean, they're technically legal, illegal, so to speak. Uh, so yeah. that's that's kind of where I am right now. So mm-hmm. I've, I've really been kind of changing my frameworks also a little bit, thinking about it more from the perspective of mixed migration, which is a relatively newer uh, framework in migration studies. I think the big pain of the application process is just uh, figuring out funding. Like it has taken me two years to figure out anything viable, right? Even in a country as as welcoming as Germany. So especially Mm -hmm. now with the whole COVID situation, I I really don't know how funding is going to work out. Unless you can put a COVID angle to your thesis, then I imagine there would be some funding. Uh, But yeah, I think that's Mm -hmm. that's, that's the real hurdle. And uh, what can really help there is if you have uh, professors you can go to. I mean, definitely the professors I spoke to really helped me on that front. 
that, I mean, that really helps if you have somebody who's really experienced in the field telling you that, okay, this works, this doesn't work, etc. Since uh, immigration is sort of your area of expertise, I wanted to ask, how do you think uh, the immigration of students is going to be affected by this crisis? We saw what happened in the US, for instance. Initially, I think what the Trump government said was that um, if universities go online from this year, then international students have to go back to their home countries. And it really caused like ripples. There were thousands and thousands of people affected by that. Then mm-hmm. I think it was repealed, but some variant of it, you know, may kind of come out again because, I mean, mm-hmm. the US government generally is very anti-immigration. And I think, again, I, I feel like I'm just making a case just for Europe. But uh, it's just interesting <laughs> to know that uh, Germany was the only country during this pandemic crisis in which mm-hmm. uh, a law for easier immigration came into force, whereas oh. most other countries were doing the opposite. Yeah, But yeah, that's also because um, a lot of the European countries especially are, I mean, they're on the back end of a demographic dividend. They have an aging population. So mm-hmm. um, in fact, interestingly, if you go to the Austria or the government of Austria website, they project skill shortages for the year. Uh, in areas that they want migrants to come in for. And it ranges from things like civil engineer, mechanical engineer, to waiters and uh, housekeepers and welders and hairdressers also. Like if you want to be a hairdresser in Salzburg, Nirupama, you have the option. Oh, wow. I might actually consider yeah. that. So it's, it's a good opportunity. I, I would be anything in Salzburg if I got the chance. <laughs> yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you very much for taking the time, Rohini. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. This was really cool. Wow, a hairdresser. <laughs> well, you know, either in a parallel universe or if I consider switching my career, I would definitely think of becoming a hairdresser. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Nirupam, on a serious note, I'm just like thinking that how higher education is going to change in a post-COVID world. Actually, we don't even have to go to uh, that extent and, you know, uh, dissect uh, how it's going to be like in a post-COVID world. I mean, we see it currently happening with so many classes going online and everything getting more and more digitalized and, you know, lectures happening online, assignments happening online, exams happening online. So I'm just thinking like, you know, uh, the kind of challenges that come with it, right? Hmm. How must one cope with this, you know, uh, if if one already has applied for master's and was almost all set to go and then boom, these, this like COVID-19 has taken over our lives and then everything is going online. So I don't know if it's worth the investment that we we put in and then the return would just be hours of online classes over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... There are a bunch of things to consider here. First being just, you know, the fact that a lot of things are, a lot of education now is going online. For instance, my nephew, who is four years old, he attends online classes for LKG. That's insane. And uh, this is, you know, he's supposed to have a Montessori schooling, which is a lot depended upon uh, touching, playing in group activities. Mm -hmm and you know all of those things and that is going online so things are changing uh, so drastically in the education space and especially in developed countries where access to computers and internet is sort of you know a given 
universities are more naturally going to lean towards making a lot of classes online and making entire semesters online so yeah which is happening we already see that happening so but are students liking it though i don't know because you know it's very different right online classes is are not the same as you know going to a physical class and then the interaction that you have with the teachers the question and answer sometimes the debates that happen in these classes then the group projects and all of those things you sort of missing out on all of that however virtual innovation teachers can come up with it's it's not going to be the same Yeah so i read this article on the new york times this article actually quotes a study which found that 75% of the students taking online classes did not believe that they were receiving quality education like they didn't. right right and then another bigger poll uh, that they undertook of which they quote that 14000 students took it and found that 67% of them said online classes aren't as effective as the physical ones no i i completely agree i have a set of friends who are currently uh, pursuing their masters programs and when i speak to them all i hear is that uh, we can't focus uh, you know we can't sit through these hours of lectures and there are so many distractions at home and right. you know it's 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 definitely like not easy to sit through these online lectures but i have to add a point about the value of being in a physical classroom and doing projects during my masters programs we were clubbed into different group projects mm-hmm. and i think like that is one of the best things that can happen uh, as part of the learning process i say this because when we sit with different kind of people we kind of understand and learn from their style of writing their style of thinking their style of uh, doing these projects Mm-hmm. and i think like you know it, it it's also a value addition in research because we do a lot of collaboration work end of the day when we do research and it's not like a standalone thing a person is like you know continuously working with himself so it's just more like we learn these things when we sit with more people and i don't think this can happen over zoom i mean it's just that like you know the productivity that would come out of like a zoom call i doubt like if it would be as good as you know sitting in a meeting room and brainstorming and learning from each other definitely definitely that's yeah so i don't think zoom and google meet and all of this can replace the physical classroom and even though this is for the short term uh, i think even in the short term given a chance to go to a masters during this time and you know the chance of doing half of the masters is online i wouldn't really take it right yeah yeah i mean i think like you know in a classroom environment we are much more focused and we have less distractions for sure so and i'm sure like the, the students would agree i mean it's not that easy to be motivated and sit through classes and make notes and you know sit through these exams it's just so difficult for them i can like you know it's just so hard to to live through this to be honest yeah yeah so nirupama i'm just wondering that like you know since we have a lot of time in our hands i know we are struggling to be productive but would it be a good option to kind of reskill ourselves or like a student might want to consider reskilling himself or herself during uh, covid because we have so much access to 
different courses online free courses and there's so much more we can do online right what do you think about like this entire concept of reskilling yeah that's definitely a very good option like i have done like a few courses myself during the quarantine time but yeah we have to remember though that the kind of skills that are required have not changed uh, that much in the post covid world uh, you know what might be required in the job industry is going to be the same skills and in addition a small fraction of you know digital astuteness and making engaging presentations for a virtual audience maybe so if you are and maybe if you are applying for a phd in america and you are expected to uh, also be teaching assistants then prepare to be well versed in zoom google meet miro boards and what not um so you can use the extra time though to amp up some of the skills that you have like something that you think you don't know enough that you can add on or you know some interesting skill set that if added to your current skill set will really give a boost to your profile mm. yeah no i completely agree with you the fundamental skills that are required you know uh, writing and researching will still remain the same but i think uh, we can do a lot more than what we just do uh, to get into masters programs or just get into job market mm-hmm. i mean it 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 can be as simple as creating maps for example in in my field mm-hmm. because we do a lot of like geopolitical work and we study how border disputes happen there are plenty of like online tools that we can use to create maps and kind of like be more creative and use these free stuff that are there online so mm-hmm. there's definitely plenty of scope even data analysis something as serious as that one can do plenty of courses online to uh, add these skills that are not just like you know industry specific it can be it can cut across streams so i think like you know these are the skills that one can pick up especially in times like this because that will be an added advantage moving forward it'll also be helpful for them during the masters and also post their masters true true now we said a lot of things uh, achana and i uh, which we thought were rational the logical thing to do right but that doesn't mean that each of you has to stick to it you could decide to not defer a year and go ahead with your program this year and you could be perfectly okay starting off with online classes you could be like sharan gulati he's the guitarist of the band man goes human and he's my colleague who recently got a full scholarship to his masters in geography of environmental risks and human security it's a joint program between the united nations university and university of bonn he fully intends to go this year be it physically or even just online here's what he had to say frankly i'm got scared uh, <laughs> i've never actually moved out of my house in 26 years of being alive i've actually never even lived alone <laughs> so frankly it is very scary right now like at my house we don't even talk much about it <laughs> uh, i i'm i kind of get the feeling that they they hold that i don't go <laughs> <laughs> it's a little scary but yeah I, i am quite looking forward to it 
uh, like i don't i have absolutely no idea how to settle in new city at all i was actually talking to a couple of friends just asking what do you do the first couple of days like how do you end up meeting people and especially now that but 26 we're not you know 18 yeah <laughs> you to make new friends i guess so yeah. i don't know i'm just scared but at the same time quite excited to start a new life um so a lot of my friends actually have de- already deferred but like i never had the like there is absolutely no choice in this course there really wasn't a choice my coordinator actually asked me if i was still up for it even if i have to like do it online and i i just think the course is really good and even if i have to do a semester from home i think it's more than fair i have got a scholarship as well so it's not like i'm paying but even if i was like i i just think like it's it's a it's a good enough course and my coordinator told me like they just would love for us to be there at the un campus mm-hmm. but if like in the end it just doesn't happen then we have to do it online and i kind of agree with that it's it's absolutely not for any fault of their own yeah makes sense yeah so you mentioned scholarship so how did you have to apply for the scholarship uh when i read about the course i actually didn't see a scholarship but a friend of mine saw this on facebook a post about scholarship to students from the global south pursuing okay. this course this really cool facebook page called opportunity desk i think people should definitely follow this because mm-hmm. they put out the best opportunities out there when is the course start um it starts in october second week yeah i have, I have this one half month for like i still don't know if i'm going to end up going there or it's going to happen online from the university side they're all up for if i can travel but with the flight services and visa services still down it, okay. it might not happen what they've done right now is they've uh, introduced some a couple of additional requirements for the visa like your, your university has to issue a letter saying that your studies can't happen online at all and that you have to be present there so that's required but yeah let's see i'm very hopeful what would you like to say to people like you who have applied to master's courses during this year and facing dilemmas about whether to go or not yeah. whether it is worth taking it online yeah um i think there are a lot of things to you know look at before leaving like at a time like this when covid is like spreading like crazy now right now in india i think it just feels awful to be leaving your family back here and just going for a better life somewhere else that is obviously there but i think your family would want you to go there as well and if you're looking to defer and if you have your reasons for it obviously you don't want to do it online that makes more sense than anything mm-hmm. but if you if you like for me it it just missing out on a year just doesn't make sense i think like even if i could do it online i would do it online because i just don't want to waste this year doing something else and just being forty by the time i my masters i would rather do it right now yeah makes sense oh wow it's quite interesting to know about their experiences i think like you know these are also going to be helpful for both of us isn't it yeah for sure speaking with charan really gave me this different perspective which is very important which is seeing it through the lens of your age because you know freshers who just finished their undergrad and are maybe 22 23 can afford to defer you know one year two year doesn't really matter too much and you know they could take a break here and not work 
but for people who are slightly older who are 26 27 maybe deferring might not be a great option and might not even be an option for some people so what sharan did he was able to do also because of his scholarship and that's why it becomes very important and knowing where to find these sort of scholarships is also very important and he gave us uh, a very good tip on that and i think we should continue uh, pursuing more such resources and sharing it with the audience so that they can gain from it yeah absolutely uh, nirupama i agree with you i think like you know there are uh, some key takeaways from what we heard from both uh, sharan and rohini of course it's, it's this thing that you've mentioned about the scholarship portals that exist there are plenty of them i think one must definitely look outside of university scholarships i'm mm. sure like you know uh, that is a very very useful option to consider for one person if they are looking out for scholarships and the second thing is he's mentioned this uh, facebook page and i thought that was very interesting because nowadays we are on social media for all sorts of reasons but i think like this is one effective way of tapping into uh, opportunities using social media you know there are plenty yeah. i was looking up myself there are plenty of facebook groups and twitter uh, pages of different publications that put out scholarships exclusively for students from certain countries and regions so i think mm-hmm. like you know all, keeping a lookout on social media pages is always one good exercise that will surprise us in more than one way with regards to like opportunities yeah. i think like going back to rohini's points about uh, you know phd applications and you know the stuff that she shared about uh, you know not to go ahead with a self funded phd and think about field work before we uh, really jump into phd in the first place and choosing a country uh, for immigration purposes etc i think it cuts across different kinds of subjects in, within social sciences realm i think these are some of the basic things one must think about before they even like consider going ahead for a phd these are some very important key takeaways that people should take note of uh, if they are considering higher education at this point in time yeah thank you very much sharan and rohini for taking the time for this also they featured in our first episode so it's it's awesome <laughs> yeah they should be proud <laughs> yeah definitely Okay so that's all folks um and time for our usual disclaimer what we say here achana and i it's our opinions and does not represent the institution or organization that we work for thank you everyone for listening to our podcast stay tuned for more such exciting insights from us and we definitely look forward to your support and feedback mm-hmm.